2: Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know, our trusted partner, Tirec.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Yokohama Avid Ascend LX. But did you know they sell other automotive products, wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few? Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to tirerack.com slash sports. Tirec.com, that's the way tire buying should be. What up America? Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the sunny city of angels. Hope you're great. We have a huge baseball game tonight. Giants, Doyers from San Francisco. We'll get to that. Uh, We have a rather large NFL game with the Buccaneers taking on the Eagles. We'll address that. Plus, uh, you'll hear from Odell Beckham Jr., Brandon Staley. Um, wait to hear what the Ravens had to say about Justin Herbert, the love affair. Luke Fickle's going to join us, right? He's going to join us at 125 West Coast time, 425 East Coast time. All right, head coach of the Bearcats of Cincinnati. Uh, they're number three ranked in the country, and they're undefeated. I am not going to make him um, stand up on the soapbox and tell us why his team is awesome when his team is clearly awesome. Um, so we got a bunch of things. John Palmarosi is going to join us. Should we interview him in English or in Spanish? What do you guys think? That's because John Palmarosi is completely fluent bilingual and is amazing what he does. Uh, my questions would be terrible if they were in Spanish. Donde esta la mesa? Donde esta la pluma? La pluma and la mesa. Still, got Gottlieb show here. I'm kidding. I'm making fun of my own ineptitude with Espanol. Um, Kyrie Irving is a master of the English language. He's an all-star point guard. He's a a superstar caliber player. So he took to Instagram last night. And what I'm going to play for you, I'll play three different cuts, spend a little time in the middle. And I want you to think about what you hear. I'll tell you what I hear, and we'll discuss it. First, years, Kyrie Irving addressing the rumors that he is retiring.
3: I had to stop running away from using my voice and using my platform to, uh, you know, speak on what's true and what's mine. You know, nobody's going to hijack my voice. Nobody's going to take the power away from me that I have for speaking on these things, you know, and don't believe that I'm retiring. Don't believe that, you know, I'm going to give up this game for a vaccine mandate.
2: Okay, but you don't want to play because of the vaccine mandate. So therein lies the rub, right? There's a constant contradiction there. There just is. There's a contradiction there.
3: Here's Kyrie saying we should pay attention to the world around us. All these people saying all these things about what's going on with me, and it's just not true. Pay attention to what's going on out in the real world. You know, people are losing their jobs to these mandates. Uh, People are having to make choices with their own lives, which I respect. You know, and, and I don't want to sit here and, and play on people's emotions either. Just use logic. You know, what would you do? You know, if, if you felt uncomfortable going into the season uh, when you were promised that you would have exemptions or that you didn't have to be forced to get the vaccine. You know, this wasn't an issue uh, before the season started. This, this wasn't something that I foresaw coming where I prepared for it. Uh,
2: okay, things change. It's a pandemic. But he's saying he was told that he wouldn't have to get the vaccine. Now he does have to get the vaccine and he's reacting accordingly. Here's Kyrie when he just came to say hi.
3: I came into the season thinking that I was just going to be able to play ball, you know, be able to use my talent uh, to continue to, uh, you know, inspire, influence people in the right way. Like putting this on me is just like, why are you putting it on me? You know, like this. This is not part of you know what's going on in conversations with scientists, physicians, and doctors. I'm I'm just a hooper, right? Like I'm I'm just a person who who's being utilized as, as an example for some odd reason. You know, people love to have my name in the mix of just some BS.
2: Uh, that's Kyrie Irving. I feel bad for Kyrie because he has been told how smart he is. And that can be, um, honestly, not a compliment, but he's taking it as a compliment. I do agree with him in terms of using his platform and not staying silent. I think that's absolutely smart and absolutely true, and it's one of the main criticisms of Colin Kaepernick, which is, okay, you took a knee, but then you had nothing to say. And throughout all of these years, you have nothing to say. You have a huge platform, and you have followers, Help us, show us, what are you actually fighting for? How can we help be part of a change, right? Like that was the thing with the Kaepernick thing where he brought awareness to a problem, okay? He protested in a way in which drew our attention based upon some help and, and it became a thing. And then it was, the, the movement was a rudderless ship and frankly, was hijacked by other movements. Kyrie, is saying, well, people are losing their jobs. No, he, he, I, I love the idea that it's a personal decision. Yes, he has a personal decision. Play, make money, or don't. That's a personal decision. But the, the when you are part of a team, and you're part of a union, and the union collectively bargains, and this is what came out of the collective bargaining agreement, you have to get vaccinated, or you run the risk of not being able to play. You know, Kyrie got—I'm sure—was vaccinated when he was a kid, if not before he played at Duke. You can't go to Duke unless you're inoculated. Is the vaccine different? Sure, sure. But we're we're conflating all of these different ideas of personal freedom, and we the, the 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 issue with Kyrie is he's not that smart. Okay, he's 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 not a dummy, but he's not nearly as smart as he thinks he is. None of us actually are. You are not an epidemiologist. (laughs) You are not an infectious disease specialist. You're not. And those group of people have gotten together. And this currently is the best that we could do. And he's like, I don't like being part of the drama. Okay. Well, one, you could just simply say, why you're doing what you're doing and understand that your talents are respected and that's the only reason we're still talking about you. Plenty of people don't get the shot. They're just not good enough to play in the NBA. But I I just, Kyrie's one of those guys that is not a dummy, but he's not nearly as smart as he thinks he is and he's trying to kind of outsmart the world and make a point that doesn't really make the point. He's interested in the greater good, but in the financial well-being of the greater good? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Isn't it more important that people are healthy while working than just simply working? You can do both. All of those, anybody who quits because of a vaccine mandate can absolutely positively get the vaccine and still keep working. And, and most people are in fact vaccinated. There have been so many despicable and disgraceful lies told about things. You know, there's a, a guy who played for the Atlanta Hawks and he thinks he had blood clots because of the vaccine. Okay, it's it's. is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? I don't know. Based upon the numbers? No, I, I don't know. I don't know his own medical history. I don't know. I, I can tell you this. That... No one who plays in the NBA, no one who plays in professional sports outside of this one lone player who had a cup of coffee for the for the Hawks last year, their organization, has had any sort of complications. You know, you're told by people who don't know what the hell they're talking about, about how what percentage of people, how many people get sick from using the vaccine, yet none of these people have. And if Kyrie's really for the greater good, then getting the vaccine is in fact the right decision to make. But we operate in a, in, a, in a world in which we think we're totally free and we're not. We're just not. And rightfully so. There has to be some checks and some balances. My first year playing professionally was in 2000, 2001. I played in Russia. Russia at the time Total uh, capitalist society and real capitalist society is super rich, super poor, very little in the middle. There, There weren't people helping out those in need. That's why we have farm aid. That's why we have welfare. That's why we have some form of universal health care. That's why in our country, even before we had universal health care, even now, if you don't have insurance, you get hit by a car, you're still going to be treated at a hospital. That's part of being the greatest country in the world. You don't want complete and total freedom. You also don't want complete and total socialism, communism. That's not who we are either. But he's, the rules have been pretty well situated. Can pretty well set up. You wanted to play in Brooklyn. That was your team. Now, could you have foreseen what's happening or were you told some sort of uh, mistruths and, and falsities and lies before this season about if you could play without being vaccinated? If you didn't see the way this thing is going, I can't really help you. But you thought you'd play in New York City and not be vaccinated? What world are you living in? New York City has been decimated, decimated by this thing. It's not just the deaths by COVID or the sickness by COVID, but the city, people moved out. They were like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm moving to Connecticut. I'm moving to Jersey. I'm moving far away where I can just work online. It's been devastating. But all of these things have been put in place because it's for the greater good. So the the hypocrisy to what he's saying is, hey, I love basketball. Not enough. Hey, I'm willing to take a stand. Well, what is actually the stand? The stand is for personal freedoms. Okay. But the stand is for the the greater good. The greater good is getting the vaccine. Yes. uh, Yes. Chase too.
4: Hey, Doug, if you're, uh, if you're running the nets right now and you watch that, what is it? 20 to 30 minute uh, Instagram live. um, what, What do you do with, with
2: Kyrie? Like what, what happens? I just think you let him sit. So no trade. No, because Kyrie is, I mean, he's made it pretty clear. Like the money, isn't the isn't the most important thing to him and he's willing to sacrifice it. And so all they've been able to do, and, and this is part of the non-vaccine mandate that you don't have in the NBA, is we can't mandate it, but we can sure threaten you and we can do everything in our power to make you do it without making you do it. That's what they've done. That's what they've done. So what do I do? Nothing. I hope the vaccine mandate is lifted. And meanwhile, I have some really smart people Call Kyrie and go like, hey, dude, can I just give you a real sense of what we're doing here, why we're doing it, how it makes sense, why you need it? And I think my guess would be ultimately he gets vaccinated. But, you know, if there's one guy who you would say, who's the guy in the NBA to not get vaccinated when everybody else does, Kyrie would be number one or two on everybody's list. This is like the least surprising thing of, of all time. And I find it curious that he's talking about people's personal. There's all kinds of things you have to do and sacrifice to work. He's never had a real job in his life. Like this is the, the amazing part about it, right? Like i around never had a real job in his life. So uh, basketball players and I was a professional athlete and you, we, we think we work hard, but I remember having two practices a day playing overseas and thinking, God, this is a job. But the truth is that was four hours of work a day. There was some prep, you know, there was stretching, there was managing your body and your sleep and all the other stuff. But like that ain't real work. Ask somebody who really works. What's that like? Ask a nurse what it's like. Now ask somebody who really, Ask a coal miner, what it's like. And there's sacrifices for every job There's sacrifices for every team. And Kyrie can say, I'm not being selfish. I'm thinking of other people. But the truth is, you're being selfish because you're putting your desires to make a point above that of everybody else in the locker room. Hey, dude, I thought we all came here to win a championship. It is very winnable. And, and it, it may be, and I'm not trying to take a shot at the messenger, but remember, this is Kyrie who didn't want to go to the bubble, who said there was racism. He implied there was racism in playing in the bubble. You know, Kyrie has been a constant contradiction. He can say he's a good teammate, can say he's not selfish. That wasn't the case in Boston. It wasn't the case in Cleveland. He's an amazing talent. And that's why we're still talking about it. That's why people still want him. That's why he was going to get a contract extension. But somebody told him he was too smart. He was smart and he's become too smart for his own good. He's overthinking this thing. And he's going to ruin his career and this team. not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from a full line of Kumo tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRite.com sports to see their Kumo test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's com slash sports, tireact.com the way tire buying should be. Do you
5: love Selena?
2: Like, really love?
5: Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano.
2: Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. It's really difficult. Um, I think sometimes to. You know, it's like every coach and all these players, they have to go up there and say something. They asked about the John Gruden emails. Like, you know, what are you supposed to say? How are you supposed to handle it? It's not easy. It's not easy. Um, but I, I did think that Brandon Staley, and it, it probably feels to many of you. You listen. You're like, "Why well, you're a Charger guy?" So, I, I look. People are talking about the Chargers. They are talking about what Brandon Staley said. Um, obviously, people are still reeling from the John Gruden news, and it, it's it's interesting. Um, here's Brandon Staley. I thought it's pretty. You, when you're the coach of a football team, you're the coach of grown men. Now you'll have some that say, "Hey, you guys are too sensitive, in your phones too much." You know, all of these things you you do, you, you spend too much time worrying about what other people think instead of, and like, it's a this generation. All of that can be true, okay? But it's Brandon Staley's job. It's any of those 32 jobs in the NFL. Quarterback and coach are aligned on this level. Those guys have to play for you. That's it. They have to play for you. There, there's more to it, okay? There's a lot more to it in terms of putting together a dynamic staff, all of these other, understanding the X and O's. For quarterbacks, there's a skill set needed, but the, the basics of it, those guys have to play for you. And so what you say becomes like a game of telephone. They run to the other guys and your team, and like, did you hear what coach said about John Gruden? Here's the Chargers coach.
6: I think that respect and trust in this world are, are really really difficult to achieve. And I think about all the people that were affected by those emails. Whether you're a person of color, whether you're a person, uh, you know, a gender, um, your sexual orientation, the people that were affected by those emails, that's who I'm thinking about. You know, because it's a sacred mantle for someone to call you coach or someone to call you a leader. And trust is really, really hard to achieve in this world. It's really, really challenging to achieve. And especially with people, with those groups that I just mentioned. and people are really guarded and they're skeptical uh, of people because of emails like that and I just think that you know kindness and lifting people up and respecting people you don't know um, I just think that you know that's such a big part of our thing here is listening to people and learning about people because I think what you'll discover is that we have so much more in common than not and I think that um, You know, for someone like me, it's just incumbent upon you to set the example every single day so that people that were, you know, talked about in those emails that they don't need to feel that way. They shouldn't feel that way. And it's, you know, hopefully... You know, all of us can learn from this that it's about bringing people together for me uh, so that people can become, you know, the people that they dream about. And I think that um, for me, leading this football team and being someone, hopefully we can, you know, be a light for those people in those emails that not everybody's like that, that that, that there's far more people that will love you than the opposite. And hopefully um, this will be a, a chance for everybody to come together instead of go apart.
2: It's pretty, pretty, pretty strong stuff. Uh, here's Derek Carr, quarterback of the Raiders, talking about the emails.
3: If we just started opening up everybody's private emails and texts, you know, people would start sweating a little bit. Um, hopefully, hopefully not too many, you know. Uh, but maybe that's what they should do for all coaches and GMs and owners from now on: is open up. You got to open up everything, you know, see what happens.
2: Yeah, that's that's not happening. <laughs> you know, it's just not. I mean, um, you you are allowed to have. Uh, personal thoughts and personal feelings and I, I don't think you're allowed or you should be running an organization if you truly have hate in your heart for any demographic of people right? that's just not how it's, it's supposed to be but I, I think it's I think the whole thing is fascinating you know I'm willing to admit I don't, I know people who've worked under John Gruden. I know people who were in the Raiders organization the first time he was there. I understand he has some enemies. Um, First, he's not a victim. He did this to himself, but should be pointed out that there hasn't, at least to anyone's knowledge, it's like Marquette King likes to come out and go like, see, he, he cut me because I was. You know, he didn't he didn't like me or didn't like black people. He was like, hey, Marquette, there's 31 other teams. Nobody else picked you up, dude. So if John Gruden didn't like you, okay. Nobody else in the league liked you. Right? Jack Del Rio's worked like everywhere. That's who you were the kicker for before Gruden got there. Weren't you? He didn't apparently swear by you. So, like, th- there's not been any accusations of him holding it against anybody. Like, I don't know what his feelings were when Carl Nassib came out, but all I can tell you is Nassib was still on the team and, and being championed by the city. And I, I think, I mean, in terms of the LGBTQ plus community and his, his comments and like, look, I thought Gruden was probably done and it'd be really hard to get men to follow him with the lips comment. That's, it's just really hurtful. And I did on some level process it and go like, all right, well, here's a dude who's in a locker room and guys in locker rooms talk about all kinds of body parts. Okay. And, and yes, race is brought into it and it becomes okay. Then when you see the litany of it and somebody else with the email drop, somebody, it, it's one thing to be out to get him. It's another thing to have the goods to get him. They got him and he's gone. Um, I also think it's reasonable to think people do evolve on this stuff. They just do, you know, I remember I, my, my dad passed like, uh, seven years ago next month. And if you go back 15 years ago or something, I remember having a discussion with my dad about it, where he was, you know, he was born in 1940. He was in the seventies when he died. And you know, the, he was still of the, well, you know, some people are born that way, but some people it's a choice. And I was like, do you really think it's a choice? Like, do you think somebody chooses to go sit with their dad or their uncle or their mom and say, Hey, I prefer this lifestyle. Like they're still, it's still so taboo. And again, this is 15 years ago. It's less taboo. Now. I don't believe that's, that's a choice. It's very brave to do that, to to come out and say who you are and what you feel and how you feel when you're an adult and people see you, some people see you a different way. But I can also tell you that, you know, from his sixties to his seventies, like my dad evolved. Like you start to go like, "Eh, yeah, you know what? Oh, he's gay. I had no idea. Oh yeah, you know why? Because it doesn't actually matter. It doesn't affect you. It's our own personal thoughts and feelings and desires. That's it. <laughs> you know. So I think Staley got the dub. I think it's a really hard thing to do, and I can. I think you can understand. In addition to his ability to process X and O's and put a great staff around him, I also think his command and leadership and. Like if you, if you listen to that cut of Brandon Staley, did you want to play for him? The answer is probably yes. He's the head coach of the undefeated number three ranked Cincinnati Bearcats. He's Luke fickle. He's kind enough to spend some time with us here on Fox sports radio coach. I know this is a, a a year where we're not close to the finish line, but um, there's a lot of potential, a lot of hope for this football team. As of today, where is your group in terms of where you think they should be this far into the season?
7: Well, obviously, we, our big deal has always been you got to play your best ball at the end of the year. So, as you know, playing, I mean, it, it's, it's the consistency that you have that can you grow throughout a season. And last week, I could actually say, was the first time we kind of we put four quarters together. And, um, you know, early in the year, we played a half, and then we played a half, and then You know, in Game Three, we played 32 minutes, and then in Game Four, (laughs) we played three quarters. And so, at least last week, we we put you know at least four quarters together. So, I think our guys are on that trajectory of of growing. Um, There's a lot of things, obviously, that they're going to have to continue to handle, um, you know, as they take care of their business. But uh, all those things, I think, are going in the right direction because we have some really good leadership.
2: What what is the process of handling it? And and by handling it, I'm I'm guessing that it's because the talk of a potential undefeated season, the talk of, you know, being from the non power five and making your way into the college football playoff. These are all the kind of the reasonable discussions college football people and fans have. Um, How how do you approach that at this point in the season with this group?
7: Well, it's always about handling. I mean, every team has to handle something, right? If you're not winning, then you got to be able to handle, you know, whether it's criticism or, or ways of getting better. And when you have success, you got to be able to handle some of the attention and, and not allow it to, you know, to change you. Either as uh, the great coach Wooden said, either one praise or criticism can kill you if you swallow it. So <laughs> we have to be able to, you know, handle the attention, enjoy it because they've earned it, but also. Not lose sight on, hey guys, we've said this for, the, for four and a half years now that in order for us to do, be where we want to be, we have to play our best ball at the end of the year. And it's a process. And um, regardless of where we are in the process, we got to continue to grow. And I feel good, at least about our older guys doing that. But I think sometimes the younger guys, it's even more difficult on because they've known nothing but, you know, if they've been here for two or three years, they've known nothing but, you know, at least a little bit of the attention and a little bit of the success. You know, these guys that have been here for five know what it was like when, you know, when we won four games and, and how difficult and tough it was.
2: What is that like? Because we've talked to several other coaches where it's, it's almost like everybody has kind of a BYU year, right? Where you got, you, got, you know, si- super seniors, guys that have been there six years. They're grown men. They, they've seen it all. They've done it all. Um, I mean, many of these guys in a normal year would be a grad assistant, right? Kind of trying to figure out what's, <laughs> what, what's, what's next for them. What is it like to coach this age of football player in college football?
7: We do have a few of those. We've we've probably got you know maybe twelve guys or so that have already graduated, and we've had some of that in the past. But we've got obviously an enormous, large group of guys that uh, that uh, maybe you know have already finished up a lot of things, whether they're in their fifth or sixth year. And I just think it's it's the ability to sometimes idle time is the worst time. And for those guys, it's about keeping busy, and how do you you know use that time you know to to continue to get better and sometimes that means you know reading or whatever I mean like you're reading too much stuff, so I think there's a balance I think that um you know we could bring those guys in and do a lot more meeting time with them, but I don't know that that's always the best thing as well so uh, you got to kind of refer back to the things that you've done, and uh, you got to continue to challenge those guys and I think for us, we're in a place where those guys have accepted a lot of those challenges whether it's you know to grow as a player or even to be a better leader and to help some of the young guys so we're finding different ways to to occupy maybe some of the time that uh, the extra time that a lot of these guys might have
2: Desmond's an amazing guy um now is he a tremendous player but you know his upbringing with a you know a teenage mom in Louisville and and growing up to in Cincinnati to become kind of this this star player how's he handled in your opinion all of the the, the fame and attention, especially after the Notre Dame game.
7: Well, I really do think he has done a great job of it. I'm, I'm sure it gets a little bit wearing, um, but I think he's he's had the chance to grow up, not just his upbringing and his background, obviously, but I think even his freshman, you know, redshirt freshman year where he's playing and and having success, and then going into that second year where even in the league he was looked at as one of the top, you know, two or three quarterbacks, and you know he didn't play up to what you know, he thought or maybe what a lot of the people thought, even though he won. And then going into year three where he wasn't even listed as I think, the top, one of the top four quarterbacks in the league. you know, and, and he struggled early and then obviously played really well at the end. So I think the greatest thing in the world is he's had those failures in the last four years. Not huge failures, obviously, because he's won a lot of football games, but failures in the sense that maybe didn't live up to what he expected. Um, so I think that's allowed him to be able to a little bit enjoy you know, what he's doing now, but also to stay grounded um, as to what he has to continue to do, because he's seen how fragile those things can be um, regardless of what they say about you.
2: All right. You, you talked about you want to play your best football at the end of the year. Um, you got, you didn't pitch a shutout, but almost a shutout against Temple last week, your defense. What's the next step when, when you're, when you're in your guys ears, about what what they need to do to take that next step to continue to evolve and get to their best for that stretch run, what is it?
7: Uh, it's consistency, and I think that, and that's not just consistency on Saturday. That's not just consistency on third down. That's consistency in all that they're doing, and um, you know it's so critical how you prepare um, each and every week, and it becomes even more critical as you get later into the season because people have got a lot more uh, stuff to break down they probably know your tendency is far greater so they're going to attack your weaknesses um each and every week and when you put more things on film there's more things for them to evaluate so um the challenge is to be consistent in what you're doing but continue to grow because you know these we're playing some really good football teams with some really good coaches and uh they're going to figure out what the weaknesses might be and they're going to attack it and if we don't do it great job at knowing what our weaknesses are and finding ways to improve them then you know what we're going to be exploited at some point in time and uh, you know so that's the challenge to, to being consistent in what you're doing but still finding ways to grow
2: uh, you, you talk about good coaches good programs good culture UCF has just that they come into Nippert uh, th- this weekend and it's a, it's a team that has had some dramatic wins and some, some tough losses what's the biggest challenge you're taking on the Knights
7: not really knowing You know, I think that uh, what you've seen, obviously, Coach Melzahn has done a great job everywhere he's been, and I think in the first few weeks you saw a great combination of what they had done there in the past with Dylan Gabriel and and maybe him adding a lot of his offensive stuff. And I think you know, after the quarterback got hurt, I think they you know started to maybe you know go a little bit more towards what Coach Melzahn maybe does or has done more. Um, So you're kind of curious as to where is this. Offense growing, and you know the team is growing because, you know, like I said, everywhere he's been, he's had great success. They're much better, I think, on defense and sounder, and what they're doing. So it's one of those ones where you're just not quite sure. Even though it's week six, they've had some changes that you kind of say, okay, now where exactly are they going? And that just that makes it more difficult to prepare for at times.
2: Yeah, it's I mean like you look you you know that when you take over uh when you take over a team even when you have have your team coming in you don't, sometimes you don't know what you're going to really get till the lights are on the popcorn's popping but especially when you take over you know somebody it's like taking over somebody's sound system where you're like at by the, you're like I I just need a new remote I got to figure the, figure this thing out that's
7: right whereas well, when it's and, oh, and, and sometimes too like when when you're doing a good job like when you know our offense is doing a good zag they got a quarterback so do teams like that that are, you know, new in what they're doing, do they – you know, you, you get some different things. You change up maybe a little bit. So I think as a coach that leaves you with some anxieties of saying, okay, is there, are we going to get something really different? Do they do they think they need to do something different or do they come in here and be who they are? And I guess that's the problem of being a coach is uh, sometimes you know too much and you, you have to start thinking about too many different things. But uh, ultimately <laughs> – you got to play the game when the ball's kicked off. You won't know anything until till uh, that time.
2: Um, how do you handle the questions about your former boss and USC? How do you handle that? I, I'm I'm not in your press conferences on a weekly basis. How do you How do you handle those?
7: <laughs> I say uh, it's the same thing that we we had happen over the summer. We had some really good players after last season. It had some opportunities um, to go early to the pros, and it was a great opportunity for them. We we accepted that. We know that with our successes, a lot of us are going to have other opportunities. Um, so we'd look at it the same way. We said at the beginning of the year, guys, we want people to be looking at our juniors to try to get them to come out. We want guys to be looking at our offensive coordinator and our defensive coordinator because you guys are doing the great things on the football field. We all are getting you know opportunities because of it. So. It's the it's the better thing than having nobody want anybody because of what you know the performance that you guys are doing on the field. So we really look at it if they talk about me or if they talk about any of our coordinators. It's all because of what the kids are doing on the football field. So you know we take it for what it's worth, and our kids understand it, and and uh, you know we continue to move on.
2: I know Cincinnati is an incredible football state, um, but being an Ohio State guy, if I were to tell you that. Saturday, you're going to walk on the field on national TV, third-ranked team in the country, on campus at Nippert, right? Like, what has been built at UC? Because if we go back to when you were coming out of high school, like, that was a commuter school, right? And they kind of built their – they they built everything on on basketball, and they started building dorms. And people say, well, you can't – Nippert's too small. You can't do it. Considering where it was when you were a kid – to where it's going to be Saturday when you're on that sideline. For, for people who haven't, don't understand what's happened, I mean, you're going to the Big 12 and nobody's blinked. Nobody said, like, well, they don't belong. Like, none of that. It's really a, an amazing evolution of a program. What's that like as a guy who remembers it from what it was and gets to experience it for what you guys have built?
7: Well, I guess I'm, the good thing is I could say I'm ignorant. I didn't know. And, and I didn't know because, you know, I was... Blinded by where I lived and and for what maybe Ohio State was and and uh, you know sometimes I think that's the arrogance of, of not recognizing and realizing and you know as I walk in I don't know exactly where it was before I knew it when Coach D'Antonio was here I stopped down because I knew him well and now as I study the history I start to recognize that wow it has incredibly changed I'm not saying because of me it started back you know whether you want to say D'Antonio and Brian Kelly and those guys who had really kind of shifted and i don't it's always been in the history of basketball is unbelievable here all the way back from oscar in the 60s and the national championships but i think what those guys really started was the idea that hey this can be a football school as well and uh they really started something and i think we've continued to push it and, and enhance it and uh you know it's the great thing about what you know media is today and things that you know as you change and evolve it's so much easier to see throughout the country and we're fortunate enough to be able to, you know, experience that and now put, you know, our program, uh, our athletic department in a situation, in a position where heck, we're on the national stage and, uh, we've had an opportunity to in a couple of years to, to move into a, you know, even a better stage.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be incredible. Last thing coach, and I know your, your time is very valuable. Um, teams are, in fact, I know it's a cliche reflection of their head coach. The, the greatest pride you have in your team and how they play is, is, is what?
7: When they play, cause it's, but it's just the toughness. It's been, I believe this is a tough and nasty sport. And I don't, but how do you, really how do you, how nice.
2: do you, what's your process in teaching that? Like every coach says physicality and toughness, right? Like how do you, how do you teach a team to be tougher than another football
7: team? I think it's consistency. I don't, I don't think that everybody, some people say, well, you're just born with toughness. I, I, I disagree. Just like some people say, well, there's, people are born a leader. No, I think there's natural born leadership qualities. I think there's, everybody walks into this program and we say on a, on a toughness scale, you're somewhere in, in the scale. Our job is to make you tougher our job is to create an environment, an atmosphere, whether it's on the football field, in the weight room, in all that we do that, that is just breeds you to understand that the only way to get to where we want to go is to be able to outwork a lot of people. And uh you know, I I don't I'm not saying I do it's, it's a it's a part of the whole program. It starts in the weight room, it starts with how we do everything. And uh, you know, I, I really believe it's a mindset and, and it's something that's trained and um <laughs> Obviously, winning has a lot to do with it because, you know, whether you're 18 or 22 years old or not or you're, you know, 48, we all see a little bit better than we hear. And when you can see those kinds of things happen and see what it actually looks like, you you can buy in and believe um, it even greater. And uh, I, I just think that we've had good fortune with winning and that success has breeded, you know, what it is that uh, we've wanted to be.
2: of your last 15. You haven't lost a conference game in in, in two years. And, of course, Central Florida comes in on ABC this weekend. Coach, it's been an incredible season. There's so much other stuff swirling. We appreciate any time you could give to us. Thanks so much, and good luck this weekend against Central Florida.
7: Always thankful, Doug. I appreciate you having me. Fox Sports
1: Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call
2: 1-800-GAMBLER. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has the tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from a full line of Goodyear tires. Ship, ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to slash sports to see their Goodyear test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com sports, tireac.com pretty crazy that uh, Pat Mahomes is throwing so many interceptions. But I, I heard Sage Rosenfeld say something last hour, which just really made me think. He's trying to score 14 points on on every possession. And and here's, here's what happens. Um, Chris Carter, I worked with him at ESPN. I worked with him at Fox. Um, and I think, Jay Stu, did you work, when you were over at, at Fox on the TV side, was, was Chris still there? I'm trying to think. He was in New York and you were in LA, right? Um, Correct. he had an expression and it's a really good one and he used it for athletes and he said money doesn't change you it makes you more of who you are right and, and I, I think that's what's happened with Pat Mahomes look Mahomes is a great talent and a tremendous quarterback but the things that we have celebrated him for right, are actually some unsound plays it, it reminds me a little bit of Steph Curry and his first trip to the NBA finals. You remember what happened with Steph Curry when they, they played the Cavs? Remember what happened late, I think it was maybe it was games game 6 when they when they uh, I think it was game 6 right where he um he threw the ball kind of behind his back. Maybe it was maybe it was when they lost actually it was probably when they lost to the Cavs. He had a bunch of turnovers. And, you know, one time it was a behind-the-back pass to Klay Thompson when all he needed was a regular pass. And what had happened was, be- because Steve Kerr let them play so free, but also because we championed how they played free and all of the passes. Like, look, there's a reason that coaches tell you not to, you don't have to throw a behind-the-back pass. Like a simple chess pass works. There's a reason that even some of the shots he makes aren't deemed great shots. It's not because they can't go in, but the percentage of times they go in. Like Pat Mahomes became this X-Man type of character because he threw no-look passes. Because he could find Tyreek Hill and just throw it up for it, Throw it up to him. And we saw it earlier this year. Which game was it where he threw the ball up to Tyreek Hill? And Tyreek Hill just made a play on it. It was behind him. He came back, caught the ball, ran into the end, into the end zone. And they had this great comeback win. Whereas the singles and doubles are what wins more consistently. The easy pat, like Tom Brady hasn't been spectacular in years. He's not as good as Pat Mahomes, not as talented as Pat Mahomes. But what Tom Brady has mastered is simplicity and execution. I mean, look, what makes Aaron Rodgers great? Aaron Rodgers can try and do all the circus stuff possible, but look at his numbers for the most part, never turns the football over. And that doesn't mean he doesn't take chances, but there's just a balance between it. When Pat Mahomes came out, one of the reasons that the Bears passed mistakenly so quite obviously, they thought they were going to have to play him right away and they thought, "Man, he's got some he's got some footwork he got to clean up, some decision making he got to clean up. That he just takes too many chances." And what happens is that because we celebrate the no-look passes, the deep throws to to Tyreek Hill, that Tyreek Hill just makes a play. Even the one in the Super Bowl, like, it wasn't a great, he massively underthrew him. But Tyreek Hill is, just has great ball skills and awareness and stops and comes back and gets the ball and makes a play. And I understand that some of that is by design. Hey, if a guy's matched up man-to-man, throw it short, the, corner, the cornerback actually interferes half the time. understood. But this is who he's reverting back to who he has always been a risk taker, a gunslinger, a gambler, a guy whose fundamentals sometimes can break down. And it's because we've championed all the risk taking and the success and not said anything about the flaws in it. This is the flaws in it. It doesn't mean that Pat Mahomes stinks. No, he's great. He might be the most talented guy we've ever seen. But this is something that he has to work through. Because the brain is actually, he's actually doing the opposite of what they need. With a bad defense, he actually needs these long, sustained drives. Keep his defense off the field. Everybody's playing too deep, making him take the short underneath stuff. And every once in a while, he gets frustrated or they get frustrated and they take a chance at something. That's what's happened. What's the difference in him and Tom Brady? Tom Brady is dink and dunk, get rid of it super quickly, live to play another day. And though Tom Brady's defensive front is good, defensive backfield sucks. It's terrible. But he keeps them off the field. Okay. With these long sustained drives, just accurate, just get rid of it. Just be simple. Singles and doubles. That's what I think Pat Mahomes is working through. Truly believe that. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox sports radio. Um, You know, it's been said you can't win, you can't win by commenting on somebody else's problems. I think one coach has proven that to be false. I'll tell you who that is upcoming next. But first, Bet River Sportsbook wants to invite you to discover the complete sports betting experience. The foundation that experienced a massive number of betting options on nearly every regulated sporting event around the world. Add on top of that, uh, top tier customer service ready to answer your questions anytime, day or night. Plus. Bet River Sportsbook has the unique rush pay system, and they can also authorize most withdrawal requests instantly. Their customer satisfaction, that's their number one priority. And um, Bet Rivers will match your first deposit up to $250. Now, unlike some other sportsbooks, Bet Rivers only requires a one time paythrough to turn your bonuses into cash. Experience the difference. Go to BetRivers.com. You'll see it for yourself. You must be 21, you must be president in Colorado, Illinois. Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Remember, that's River Sportsbook at BetRivers.com.
1: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.